training, education, and employment. Staff will also work with businesses looking for skilled workers. The hours for the Career Hub are Monday through Friday from 8.30 a.m. to 5.30 p.m. Our 2024 Spring Job Fair is right around the corner. On March 8th, Commissioner Segerblum and I, in partnership with Employee and Business Hub, will be hosting the state's largest annual job fair at the Las Vegas Convention and Visitors Authority's West Hall. This popular job fair will run from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. Free and open to the public, we will have over 120 employers looking to fill over 10,000 open positions. Some will even be hiring on the spot. Make sure to bring plenty of copies of your resume and dress to impress. Resume review, career coaching, and other services will be on site to help as well. Job seekers are encouraged to pre-register at the website that you can see on the screen. The website address is also on the flyer you see on the screen. We'll be offering free childcare during the event for potty trained children ages three to six. The childcare registration is found in a link on the main registration page. If you're looking for a new job or looking to change your career path, we hope to see you on March 8th at the Las Vegas Convention Center's West Hall beginning at 9 a.m. Finally, on January 25th, we recognize legendary singer-songwriter Pancho Barraza with his own star at the Las Vegas Walk of Stars. Pancho is a best-selling composer and interpreter widely celebrated in Mexico, Latin America, and here in the United States. He became known as the poet of love with much success on the music charts. His songs are not only inspirational and full of love, but have helped many people deal with the difficult times that they experience in their lives. It was a real pleasure to proclaim January 25th as Pancho Barraza Day on the Las Vegas Strip and across Clark County. Good morning. Welcome to our board meeting this morning. This meeting will come to order. Please stand for invocation by Chaplain Victoria Campe. For those who wish to bow their head and join in prayer, I pray. Almighty God, I come before you this day and ask for blessings upon the Board of Clark County Commissioners. I pray for good health, healing, prosperity throughout the year among the citizens and the people of our great state and nation. I pray you feed our leadership here today on your wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, reminding us always to be great leaders 
we must first become good servants. We pray for our leadership and for the good of all those whom they serve. Amen. Good morning, Chairman and Commissioners. Item one is to present a proclamation to the UNLV football team and coaching staff in recognition of their outstanding football season. Commissioner Segerboom. If you would come on down, team and coach and, and uh, athletic director and everyone else. While they're coming down here, just want to say a few things about the, this great team. Um, they won nine games this year for the first time since 1984. Over, was that 40 years? Almost 40 years. Um, they won the first Mountain West regular season championship, uh, went to the first uh, conference title game, hosted the first title game, and made the first bowl game appearance in a decade. Coach Odom was named the conference coach of the year and finals for national coach of the year. UNLV has three All-American honors, Co kicker Jose Pisano, wide receivers Ricky White, and Jacob De, De Jesus. Most importantly, the team set a record with a 3.22 cumulative grade point average. So congratulations. <laughs> and finally, UNLV celebrated its first ever first team academic All-American in Jackson Woodard. So I wanted to um, have the coach say a few words, but I also want to say it's got to be great to be able to recruit when you know that your incoming players will be able to play on the field that the Super Bowl was just played on. So that's pretty impressive. Coach Woodard, if you want, uh, coach, you want to say a few Thanks so much. It's an honor to be here today. Uh, it, it's about our players, and you hear, heard a, a few of the accomplishments. Two of the, the All-Americans are here today. Ricky White had 1,400 yards receiving last year. Jacob DeJesus. <laughs> Jacob DeJesus had the most return yards in, in all of college football, and he, both of those guys are back for us. Um, Jackson Woodard was an academic All-American, first ever in school history. And then we've got a number of guys. Yes, thank you. Um, I'll, I'll go back to about the people and the organization and the structure and the leadership. It starts with Eric Harper, our director of athletics. We've got Hunky Cooper, who is community engagement, right, my right-hand guy in every step of the way. And then we've got local guys that are going to have such a huge part of the success of UNOV football. And I believe the platform that we have is to be able to make this city part of our team together, and it's us together on how, how it works. We're so thankful and honored to have the opportunity to be here today. Thank you for the opportunity to represent this great city. We look forward to a great 2024. Thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, again, it, it's so proud to have you. Um, Jim and I played football back before UNLV even had a football team. We were talking about that. Uh, but if you had, we probably would have come there and, and maybe been an All-American, but who knows. <laughs> anyway, thank you so much. Thank you. And I forgot the most important part. We have to give you a plaque.
So today is UNLV football day in Clark County, so you guys can do anything you want. Stay out of trouble, though. Thank you. Commissioners, this is the first section set aside for public comment. This is a period set for public comment. Anyone wishing to comment on any items on the agenda, please feel free to come up here. Is it 53 that we're pulling? 55. 55. Anyone here on item 55, we're not gonna, that's not going to be heard today. Good morning. Good morning, Commissioners. Steve Sanson, President of Ver Veterans and Politics International. And I'm here with uh, Barbara Lucian. I know that uh, um, a lot of times when people come to this podium, they always complain about things that's going on in their, their, their district, and, uh, or, or they always want something for their district. Well, I'm here to recognize one of you. Um, Commissioner Marilyn Kirkpatrick has been dedicated to our community. Uh, Commissioner I'm sorry, are you speaking on an item that's on the agenda? I know she's on the agenda always, but I didn't know if there's an item on the agenda. I'm here to talk about Commissioner Kirkpatrick. All right, well, you get two minutes and 15 seconds, so go for it. Thank you. <laughs> Commissioner Kirkpatrick has been dedicated to our community. I live in a, I live in a island in the, the county surrounded by Ward 6, and we started a block party. And we started, we did three block parties all together, and Commissioner Kirkpatrick has been stellar. She has been dedicated her time and dedicated her resources to the constituents that live in that area. So I'm here on behalf of Veterans and Politics to thank Commissioner Kirkpatrick and to give Commissioner Kirkpatrick a recognition of appreciation. <laughs> Commissioner Kirkpatrick, thank you so much and the constituents of your war or your district, sorry, I think I'm at the Las Vegas City Council. And the, the, the constituents of your district also applaud you and thank you for all your hard work you have done, Commissioner. All right, thank you so much. Change of pace, huh, Chair? <laughs> Anyone else here wishing to speak on public comment? Seeing no one, we'll close the first period of public comment. I almost got it closed. <laughs> yes, my, my name is Ed Eulin, and I wanted to speak on item number 46, new ethical standards for public employees. Uh, is an ordinance that you're going to be considering. That is such a joke that anyone who actually reads the background material would have to start laughing from the introduction on. Uh, in that introduction, after shedding tears over the difficult decisions 
that uh, you have to make. Uh, and, uh, and they exist as an obligation, according to the, this introduction, to the citizens of Clark County to maintain the highest ethical standards is a total lie and cruel joke. You don't care about the citizens of Clark County. You care only about the corporations of Clark County. Your, your decisions are the simplest of any legislative body existing in this, in this country. And you do exactly what the Wall Street corporations you supposedly govern ask for. They're the ones that hand out massive amounts of money to your re-election campaigns and to your pockets and interests, even if you're not running for re-election. That system of government where corporations run the government, basically, is, is officially called fascism. And that's what... Uh, that's, the, what, uh, that's what, uh, what uh, you uh, operate on. And um, I defy you to find one element of your ordinance governing short-term rentals, which accrues to the benefits of the citizens of Clark County. Every single provision of that law benefits the Wall Street casinos, who even under existing laws are sweeping up billions of dollars. It will be given more money uh, by that uh, more, uh, more, they'll take the income of the short-term rentals and hand it over to the, uh, to the corporations and force the people who own houses to sell their, house, uh, to sell their houses at a loss of billions of dollars uh, without one penny of compensation. This board voted unanimously for that law and many others which represents the lowest ethical standards. And that is only one example of your devotion to corruption and historic and future defiance in, of the ordinance itself. You are the fascists in the clearest, clearest meaning of that word and the system of government you implement here in this, in this county. So that's what um, I have to say. Thank you, Mr. Ewan. Anyone else wishing to speak on public comment? Seeing no one, we'll close the public comment. And Mr. County Manager, take it over. Commissioner, we can now move to the agenda section. Item three is approval of the minutes of the regular meeting on January 16th, 2024. Move approval. There's a motion. Please cast your vote. If you can. I vote aye. Sorry, just did not record. It's unanimous. Commissioners, okay. we can now move to item four, which is approval of the agenda with the inclusion of any emergency items and deletion of any items. Um, with the inclusion of addendum item, um, we now have 57 items on your agenda. Staff is requesting that items number 24 under your consent agenda and items number 43 under your consent agenda be taken separately. Staff is also requesting that item 55 under your business section be deleted from your agenda. Um, I do want to put on record on item 55. Um, there will be an agenda item coming forward in the coming weeks um, specific to a debrief um, related to Formula One um, that will include 
both a pre and post action report specific to actions we can take moving forward, both related to um, Formula One, but also um, events of that size and future events related to how we can proactively plan um, minimizing impacts on the community and creating betterment in the community. Uh, Mr. Chair, I move approval of the agenda with item 55 being stricken, 24 and 43 being heard separately. Ms. Motion, cast your vote. And that motion passed. Measures, we can now uh, take item 24, which is to approve the purchase of 5409 East Lake Mead Boulevard located on assessor's parcel number 140. Let's go back and do a, approve the consent agenda. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Nobody's perfect. Move approval of the Commissioners, consent. we can now move for approval of the consent agenda consisting of items number 5 through 43. There's a motion pending. Cast your vote. That motion passes. Commissioners, we can now move to item 24, which is to approve the purchase of 5409 East Lake Mead Boulevard located on assessor's parcel number 140-21-303-004, which consists of a 17.182 square foot one-story medical office behavioral health facility on 1.49 acres of developed land, fund the purchase price of 10,400,000 and 10,000 for closing costs, ratified the appraisal dated December 6, 2023 by Southwest Property Consultants and authorized the acting director of real property manager management or her designee to sign escrow documents and any other related documents to complete the transaction. Um, as a way of intro for this, um, we wanted to pull this off the agenda just to highlight the fact that this fits into our continuum of care um, and our ongoing efforts related to kind of human services and um, the piece is tied to that, which is focused on mental health and substance abuse. Um, this facility was uh, uniquely found um, as a medical facility, which will allow for uh, crisis stabilization services um, and also high need services for those coming out of the hospital. And it's done in partnership with UMC um, under their current hospital license, which is pursuant to a statute that was passed related to increased rates. And I don't know if Abby wants to add anything. Um, thank you, Kevin. Um, so this is going to be a first, first of, its new, uh, of its kind pilot for the county. Uh, this facility is going to be for individuals experiencing behavioral health crisis. Without a facility like this, first responders really only have two options for folks uh, experiencing behavioral health crisis, and that's the emergency room or jail. So this is uh, not going to meet the whole need for the community, but we're hopeful that it is a, a big step in the right direction in terms of making sure people are connected with the care that they need. Um, people are gonna be able to get psychiatric and substance use evaluations there, medication management, as well as case management and placement assistance for folks that don't have a place to live and are experiencing homelessness as well. This is gonna connect them into some of the programming we're already building. I'd really like to thank UMC for stepping up and helping us with this. Uh, we, as, as we dug into this project, it's something we could not have done without their assistance. Um, and the, I'd like to thank the entire commission for their support, and in particular, Commissioner Jones and Commissioner Kirkpatrick in helping get this project off the ground. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioners, either one of you want to make a comment? Good job. 
I agree, ditto. <laughs> wow, that's the first. All right, so I, I wanted to point out that this, this does represent a connection between UMC and the county, and it shows our new involvement in, in healthcare, mental healthcare, and, and going forward, how we'd all need to take all of our, our medical resources and, and put them under the county manager's direction, so, and, and Abby's direction, too. Uh, Mr. Chairman, with that, and this really is um, a great project in the state is also part of this um, project, which always helps. But with that, I would like to move approval of item 24. All right. There's a motion. Cast your vote. And that motion passes. Commissioners, we can now move to item 43, which is to approve an amendment to the contract with All City Management Services Incorporated DBA, the Crossing Guard Company, for bid number 605321-19 for annual requirements contract for crossing guards and authorize the chief financial officer or her designee to sign the amendment or take other action as appropriate. Commissioner Knapp. Thank you, uh, Manager Schiller. I know, Ms. Colvin, you wanted to put a couple comments on the record. Yes, um, for the record, Jessica Colvin. This amendment does a couple of things. Um, the first is it adds 84 crossing guards to guard middle schools through the current contract period, June 30th, 2024. In addition, it extends the contract term for both elementary and those middle school crossing guards through June 30th, 2025. And lastly, it does add um, some additional reporting requirements that'll be reported to the county's traffic safety office. Thank you, Ms. Colvin. And uh, just in advance of the vote, and I know, Chairman, you suggested that we hear from uh, those in attendance who wanted to speak as a public comment during this item. Um, so I guess we'll move to that in just a moment. But uh, I just wanted to thank the board for entertaining this item in advance of the vote because uh, this is just another case where we're making every attempt possible to, to follow the data. And what the data has told us as we've gone through this exercise is that middle schools are extremely vulnerable uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, they're vulnerable, uh, disproportionately so to our other schools. We've had in our jurisdiction nearly 80 students in the school year that have been hit. Many of them have had their lives changed irreparably forever. Um, and 28 of those, uh, more, 28 as of the end of January, in unincorporated Clark County middle schools. Um, so I think this is the prudent thing to do, it's uh, the financially savvy thing to do, um, and it's the essential thing to do to protect our kids, keep them safe, and while I'm under no illusion that this will solve every problem that we're facing on our roads and our sidewalks, and even in our crosswalks, uh, I strongly believe that by having a couple extra pairs of hands, eyes, ears, um, and professionals out there helping move our kids around safely, uh, that we can absolutely make an impact. I also think that it's a good reminder while we're extending this contract to cover middle schools that there also be accountability. Ms. Colvin commented on a couple of the new conditions in this contract that I think are really important. That comprehensive report on the efforts related to recruitment, um, that often has fallen on, frankly, this board and the county to assist with the recruitment effort. I wanna make sure that our contractor is up to the challenge and making sure that they are doing their part in recruiting. Uh, we'll obviously continue to help as we do when it comes to hiring across the board. Um, 
but we also need to make sure that the contract is being adhered to when it comes to attendance, making sure that crosswalks that are contractually required to be covered are actually being staffed and covered. And I believe um, the data collection in this amended contract will help us do that. Um, it also collects data of, I think, particular interest uh, to me as we expand, expand to middle schools in um, calls for service, calls for 911 service, as well as um, numbers involving incidents that occur in our crosswalks. Um, so I, I think that's really important. Chair, I'll defer to you if you want to open it to the board or allow for if there's, public if there's no other comments. Oh, there's a comment. I, I have one. Uh, so, and I talked to Commissioner Naft, and maybe we could direct uh, Andrew Bennett to um, reach out to all the policing agencies because I think we're going to have to add some additional support. And I gave you an example driving my granddaughters to school. Um, I was doing the speed limit. The guy passed me on the left, and the crossing guard was in the street. And so we're um, families. Then you proceeded to zoom around and make a u-turn on top of it which all of that is illegal and maybe we need to maybe do some blitzes around these new middle schools to ensure that um people are reminded of the rules going forward all right um if anyone wants to speak on this item and also if everyone i assume the yellow shirts are here in support if you all want to stand up and wave and let us recognize you thank you so much Hi. Good morning and thank you for allowing me to speak today. My name is Susan Smith. My son Johnny was hit and killed walking home from Fest Middle School. I'm sorry. I'm, it's, it was just his birthday. On March 25th of 2019, he was 12 years old. Sorry. And a sixth grader at Fest Middle School. Johnny had a whole life in front of him. He was a son a brother and uncle. We miss him every day and his family feels the pain of an empty chair. I could go on and on about what a wonderful boy Johnny was, but that's not why I'm here today. If there had been a crossing guard, it is conceivable that he'd still be alive today. After being at the same elementary school from kindergarten to fifth grade, he was in the habit of crossing with the crossing guard. He would have done the same in middle school. It was what he knew. I am now a first year teacher teaching at that very same middle school. I have about 160 students. A lot of them walk or ride their bus bikes to school. When I drive to work there, I see students trying to cross at the crosswalk. I also see a majority of the cars not stop, and I have had cars swing into the other lane and go around me as I stop for them. That traffic knows there's a crosswalk there, and they know that there's a school, because when Metro was there policing the area, they stop. Metro can't be there every day. There isn't a single student at my school I love my kids, sorry, who doesn't deserve to get to and from school safely. The same is true of any middle school. You see, those kids also have a whole life ahead of them, and you can use your boat to help ensure that they can live that life. I had the chance to run into one of our admin at Fest Middle School. She was carrying a crossing guard stop sign. When I asked about it, I learned that the admin at our school had taken it upon themselves to take turns with crossing guard duties. They had to order the stop signs because people didn't stop for them and for kids to cross. I know I only have three minutes and I wish I had more. 
But let me close with a sincere request to please make the decision to help keep my students and other many students safe as they head to and from school. You have it in your power to do so. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, seeing no one else wants to, do you want to speak? Hello, my name is Tina Lavoie. I just want to first say thank you for being so brave. Susan, I think she's touched all of us. But more importantly, thank you for taking this into consideration and thank you, Commissioner Knapp. You have the power in your hands to change lives. And like she said, there's nothing more important than our children getting to and from school safely. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, my name is Hal Goldblatt. I'm a survivor. I was in a crosswalk and I was hit by a car. Um, it was November 25th, 2022, and I'm still struggling just to do the basics of life. Um, it's so important to have this item passed and have crossing guards. The crosswalk that I was in is actually uh, part of our private school. The middle school students walk through that crosswalk and I'm just so glad none of them were hit. Um, I struggle every day, but uh, please, for the, for the safety of our children, Please pass this. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, commissioners. Um, my name is Erin Breen. I'm the director of the Road Equity Alliance Project in the Transportation Research Center at UNLV. I've spoken to all of you uh, through the years about pedestrian safety and I'm really here today to say thank you. Thank you so much for taking this up. This is so long overdue. Your leadership, we hope, will have other entities join you so that all middle schoolers, um, worst age to be a middle schooler, it's almost impossible to make really good decisions when you're in middle school because there's just so much going on in your life. So I just really wanted to come today to say thank you for um, entertaining this motion and protecting more children on their way to and from school. This is something that we've been working on for at least 15 years. So this is a monumentous day to me. So thank you all very much for your support of this motion. Thank you. Hi, my name is Carol Ferrante, and I just recently moved back to Nevada. I was gone for three years to take care of family in Florida, and I was over a 22, 23-year resident here in Nevada, having my two sons, worked with all of you. I'm former Metro. I was also a former Clark County coroner here, investigator, worked these types of crashes, and I am so grateful that you're considering and making sure that our children are safe uh, in crime prevention at Metro. This is eyes and ears out there. 
This is important. You're preventing crimes. You're putting more people out there to assist these children. Yes, they're middle school, but this is an important part of their growing up, and we certainly do not want any more of these victims to occur, just like this mother here this morning. Thank you for your time, and thank you for your vote. Good morning, commissioners. My name is Bill Ortiz. Um, this is my wife, Sherry Bush. Uh, 11 years ago, our son was a pedestrian fatality on Flamingo Boulevard. Although he wasn't middle school age, he was 25. It's so important. We've been speaking for the last 11 years with Aaron uh, at schools, at different functions, about the importance of making sure that that crosswalk is a safe haven for kids. It's so important because otherwise there's really, it's just havoc out of the streets. You've got to have some sort of safe haven. And I applaud you for bringing this up. And as Aaron said, could have been done earlier, but I'm so glad you are doing it today. Thank you so much. Thank this you. is, my wife normally does the speaking, but uh, this is a particularly bad week for us. Jimmy died two days ago, 11 years ago. So it was important to us to come up for this. And it's important that you are considering this. Thank you very much for Thank your consideration. You. We hope you, you pass so it so much. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, my name is Ed Eulin, and I think it's great that uh, you're uh, uh, focusing on this issue. I wasn't aware that uh, we don't have crossing guards for uh, middle, um, middle school uh, students. <coughs> However, uh, isn't it the responsibility of the school district to take care of the students? Don't they pay for the buses to, uh, to take students to school? Who pays for the uh, crossing guards for elementary schools? Uh, the, I don't think this should come out of the budget of the county. It should come out of the budget of the uh, school district, which has tons of money, by the way. And, uh, and uh, it's something that's badly needed. And uh, it's, it's something has to be, the other day I was driving over by Clark High School and the cars just raced down the, down, um, uh, the, the street in front of the school and no one stops them, no one, no one is doing anything. So there's certainly more needed. One, uh, one of the things that the county does that contributes to this problem it is that it has distance requirements between bars. And so it requires 2,000 feet or 1,000 feet to be uh, uh, between each bar. That's something that the developers ask to be put into, into law because they want to have bars in all their sh shopping centers. But that contributes highly to uh, automobile accidents uh, to have people drinking uh, in one place and then driving to another place when, in fact, it'd be better if they were uh, concentrated in, in an area and, uh, and went from one bar to another, uh, walking rather than, uh, than driving. Um, and so uh, I, I would present those two factors as uh, to be considered. And uh, in addition, the, the brochure uh, says that uh, this, uh, this, this appearance, uh, it says, thank you for joining us in our support of Michael, uh, Michael Naft. 
uh, th that's a little bit concerning. Michael Naft is a candidate for, for uh, office this coming year. And to be, uh, to be combined, his, his campaign to be combined with, uh, with an agenda on the, uh, on the uh, agenda, the, with an agenda item on the ag agenda of the uh, county is a little bit concerning from my point of view. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Dodd. And congratulations. Thank you very much, Chair. Patricia Haddad, now Bennett. Um, speaking on behalf of the Clark County School District, just very briefly, want to thank you all for your leadership, your collaboration and partnership, um, and of course your investment in service of the safety of kids. Um, I think as was already said, you know, every kid deserves to get to school and get home each day safely. Um, you all are really on the, on the cutting edge and, and on the front line of ensuring that we are, are appropriately and properly investing as a community and collaborating together. There was many departments on the CCSD side that came to the table as well as on the county side that came to the table and it's just really um, encouraging and wonderful to, to uh, see this, this continue to move forward. Again, unprecedented middle school crossing guards we have not seen. As far as I've known, I've asked many people if this has ever happened before. Um, so we look forward to this continuing to scale and grow in the other jurisdictions as well. And again, are just truly grateful. Um, thank you guys for, for your time and, and um, for your support today. Thank you. Thank you. This is just the beginning of a mutual relationship between the county and the school district. All right, was that a motion, Commissioner Naft? Uh, I would, Commissioner Jones, you've been active in this for a long time. I'd just defer to you. Um, I, I will. Uh, I just want to honor those who have come out here. Uh, my son is a student at Gunderson Middle School, which has had 11 kids uh, who were hit, including one most recently uh, who is still in the hospital with serious injuries. And um, Susan, we've, we've known each other for many years, and uh, I'm optimistic that this will be an opportunity to honor Johnny's legacy and to make sure that we don't have any other kids that are run over. So with that, I'll go ahead and make a motion in support of item 43. There's a motion, cast your vote. That motion passes. Thank you all so much for coming out. Commissioners, it is uh, not yet 10 a.m., so we can now move to introduction of ordinances. Item 46 is an ordinance to amend sections chapter 2.42 of the Clark County Code relating to ethical standards, providing for other matters properly related thereto inside a public hearing. I would um, introduce the ordinance and set the public hearing for Tuesday, March 5th, 2024 at 10 a.m. Commissioners, item 47 is an ordinance to amend Title II, Chapter 2.76 and Title IX, Chapter 9.08 of the Clark County Code by deleting them in their entirety and adopting a new Chapter 2.76 to consolidate and reorganize the duties and functions of the Department of Environment and Sustainability into one chapter, delete obsolete language and make related updates, corrections, and clarifications, amend Title 30, Chapter 30.04, Section 30.04.07, to update references and providing for other matters properly related thereto inside a public hearing. All right, I would introduce the ordinance and set the public hearing for Tuesday, March 5th, 2024 at 10 a.m. Commissioners, as stated, we'll now move to item 57 under introduction of ordinances. 
an ordinance to amend Title IX of the Clark County Code by adopting a new chapter 9.08 to create the Office of Sustainability and establish its functions and responsibilities, delegate administrative authority of the Office of Sustainability to the Department of Environment and Sustainability, establish the responsibility of Clark County Departments to effectuate Clark County Sustainability and Climate Action Plans, and provide our other providing, uh, uh, providing for other matters properly related thereto and set a public hearing. I will introduce the ordinance and set the public hearing for Tuesday, March 5th, 2024 at 10 a.m. Commissioners, we can now move to the business section of your agenda. Item 48 is to identify emerging issues to be addressed by staff or by the board at future meetings, receive updates on the activities of various regional boards and commissions, and direct staff accordingly. I have one. Commissioner Gibson. Thank you, Mr. Chair. The, we just finished the uh, hosting of the Super Bowl, and I thought that there were some, some data that would be interesting to the constituency um, when we talk about the success of the Super Bowl. Uh, I'm the chair of the Convention Authority Board, and we received this report um, in our meeting last week. There were 14,000 news stories generated about the Las Vegas Super Bowl, 58. This is a hard number to understand, but there were 84 billion social impressions, which has to do with the number of people who online are able to, we're able to see, <clears throat> or through television, we're able to see actually received an impression of one kind or another about the Super Bowl. They measure those, and that is more than the last two Super Bowls combined. There were over 300 events held across Southern Nevada, including charitable events. And this year's Super Bowl was the most watched telecast in history, with 202.4 million people watching all or part of the game. With so many references to this community, the exposure and value to our community and what we offer is immeasurable. Uh, there's also another update that I think is important that we had reported to us, Commissioner Naft and I are on that board. The Las Vegas Convention Visitors Authority Air Service Development Team uh, and Elevon Pacific Aviation Consulting presented their twice annual air service update. The presentation covered activities from June to December of 2023 and provided an outlook for 2024. Among the 2023 record setting accomplishments are these. Uh, experienced, we experienced record airline capacity of 35.1 million seats coming into and out of this destination. 3.4 million more seats uh, in 2023 than in 2022. A record number of connected cities with 168 nonstop routes. We inaugurated, there were an inaugurated or announced 34 new markets, 23 were unserved, 16 international markets that bring 9,700 more seats weekly from Europe, Canada, Central America, and Mexico. And finally, the destination is fully recovered when it comes to international travel through uh, our airport. I thought that it would be helpful to understand some of the benefits that come from an event such as the Super Bowl. Thank you, Mr. Chair. 
Thank you. <clears throat> Anyone else? I always wanted to relay one uh, interesting fact. From, I'm the chair of the Water Reclamation. Uh, they monitor the amount of sewage that comes out of Allegiant Stadium. And even though it was a huge amount for the Super Bowl, the Taylor Swift concert had more sewage coming out of the Allegiant Stadium than, than uh, the Super Bowl did. Not, not sure what that means. Yes, Mr. Um, Commissioners, I just wanted to tag along to Commissioner Gibson's um, comments. I just want to make sure I put a thank you out to all of our staff. Um, from you look from the airport all the way through the entire event, all of our department leadership, staff all the way down the line, just make sure I put on record a big thank you. They worked very hard for that, and I think a lot happens behind the scenes that a lot aren't aware of. Each one of those over 300 activations required permits, and uh, our staff was uh, working all the way till I think Sunday morning at 10.30. Uh, the Super Bowl was at 3.30 in the afternoon, so I don't know what event was being approved at that hour, but it was an incredible effort, and hundreds of our people and departments across the county were active in doing what needed to be done and working overtime to get it done. We appreciate that, the entirety of that effort. And to follow up on that, uh, having gone through Formula One and the Super Bowl, um, I think it's important for our staff to be recognized. So hopefully, Mr. County Manager, we're working the staff. You're working to figure out some way we can recognize the incredible effort that, that our staff has put forward. Commissioners, we're going to move to item 49, which is to conduct a public hearing, approve and authorize the acquisition by eminent domain, a portion of assessor's parcel number 14035601-011, Carlos Ariza, Jamie G. Buda, Sonny, and Leanne uh, Bach, needed as right-of-way for construction of the Orchard Detention Basin between Charleston Boulevard and Linden Avenue Project, and authorize the county manager or his designee to sign any documents necessary to complete the condemnation process. Good morning. Good morning, Commissioner. Just to explain the purpose and need for this project uh, or this property, uh, this is a schematic of a regional flood control district facility that's shown in pink across this property. Uh, the property in question is marked by the X. Uh, this regional flood control facility will collect flows off of, off of Frenchman Mountain and collect them in the channel and direct them southerly into the Orchard Detention Basin, and for reference, this is Charleston Boulevard, Charleston Boulevard here, and Hollywood Boulevard there. Uh, and blow up of the parcel. This shows the area that is needed from the parcel. The area in orange is the permanent right-of-way that's necessary to required to build the flood control channel. Uh, the green area is a temporary easement that we will be using for grading purposes during the construction of the project. Uh, we're acquiring about three quarters of an acre in the orange and we need another about 0.96 acres for the temporary construction easement. We have been contacting this property owner since September of last year and we most recently had um, discussions and no responses through November and part of December and it wasn't until we sent out the notice of this hearing that we heard back from the property owner. 
Uh, so we're asking we'll continue negotiations with the property, but if those negotiations don't come to any fruition, uh, we would like your authorization to proceed with uh, imminent domain action. Any questions? Uh, this is a public hearing. Is anyone here wishing to to speak? If not, uh, let me just say that this this is a huge uh, need in in um, the east part of the valley. Um, this last year, we had major floods there that that this would have prevented. Um, and also, Dennis, could you just give a little history? I know this has been the most difficult project you've worked on as far as getting congressional approval. I mean, it, it's the history of this is pretty phenomenal. Um, just uh, to go through this, the detention basin, we started off in the early 2000s with acquiring the detention basin. The detention basin had some old mining claims on it. Those old mining claims had to be relinquished or abolished through BLM, so we had special counsel out of Colorado that worked, took about several years working through BLM to get those mining claims eradicated. Um, and after that, this area right here where the channel cuts across was in a wilderness study area. The wilderness study area was designated by Congress. So in order to get that removed from the wilderness study area, we had to have some congressional action, uh, which took about seven to eight years to get through Congress. So that's, that's some of the history on that. Once we got through there, we built a detention basin, and now we're proceeding with all the environmental studies have been completed through the BLM process, and we're now in the process of acquiring the private properties necessary for the project. Thank you so much. It's just amazing what we have to go through, and people always want to know what, why haven't we done it yesterday. The truth is it, it's, a, it's a difficult process, but we keep moving along. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Is that a, is that a motion? Or maybe I made my own motion. There's a motion to approve. Cast your vote. That motion passed. Commissioners, item 50 is to appoint eight qualified individuals to serve on the Clark County Board of Fire Code Appeals for four-year terms ending July 1st, 2028 from the list of interested individuals. Jim P. Begley, Patrick M. Burke, Amanda Moss, Joseph W. Noble, Sam Palmer, Ty L. Salazar, Catherine A. Springstead, and Corey Wallace or take other action as appropriate. Mr. Mr. Chair, Chair, if there's no discussion, oh, excuse me. This is actually a board that works occasionally, and there are some boards that don't very much, but it's important that we have knowledgeable people. These are people who would provide that kind of um, understanding, and I move approval. There's a motion. Cast your vote. That motion passes. Commissioners, item 51 is to appoint one qualified individual to serve as a member of the Department of Family Services Citizens Advisory Committee for a three-year term ending on January 1st, 2027. New applicant is David Johnson, representative of the general public. Mr. Chair, I think that Mr. Johnson can bring a unique perspective to uh, this committee. Um, I've spoken with him. Uh, we've heard from him. Um, 
and I look forward to seeing how that all works. And I would move his appointment. And I would agree. I feel like I know you, Mr. Johnson, very well, so we're looking forward to really great things from you. There's a motion pending. Cast your vote. That motion passes. Commissioners, item 52 is to approve and adopt as though an emergency exists and authorize the chair to sign an order ordinance authorizing the issuance of the county's airport system subordinate lien refunding revenue bonds series 2024A for the purpose of paying and the principal of and interest all of portion of the county's outstanding airport sub system subordinate lien revenue bonds, series 2008D-3 and series 2014A-2, the issuance of the county's airport system junior subordinate lien revenue notes, series 2024B, for the purpose of financing the cost of certain improvements of the airport system, approving the execution and delivery of related documents and providing other matters related thereto. No one else wants to. I'll, I'll move to approve the. Uh, I'll introduce the ordinance and uh, ask the clerk to read the ordinance. Mr. Chair, an ordinance relating to the county airport facilities for Clark County, Nevada, authorizing the issuance by the county of its airport system subordinate lien refunding revenue bonds series 2024A and its airport system junior subordinate lien revenue notes series 2024B, approving certain documents and other matters related thereto, declaring that this ordinance pertains to the sale, issuance, and payment of bonds and adopting it as if an emergency now exists and providing the effective date hereof. Mr. Chair, I move for adoption of the ordinance as though an emergency exists. There's a motion pending, cast your vote. And also, um, as my saying, this does not come out of our bonding capacity as the county. Good morning, uh, commissioners. Um, this is Joe Perkowski, the airport chief financial officer. And that's correct, this is, these are all supported by airport revenues. So these are all, both series are airport revenue bonds. Great, thank you so much, Joe. Mr. Chair, we take for granted so many things. One of them is uh, how well Reed International Airport serves this community. Uh, we just heard a few stats about things that are happening over there, and uh, this is an opportunity to save a little money, uh, take advantage of some interest rates, but I think it's important. Uh, I was remiss in not mentioning the airport, the staff, and the leadership there. Uh, incredible job. As always, it's something that I, that I said we're able to take for granted because it happens. It doesn't just happen. It happens with a lot of planning and a lot of work, a lot of leadership. But thank you to everybody that you work with. Uh, we really appreciate the kind of leadership that is shown there and the work that is given because that is a part and parcel of the success that we have uh, in this valley. Thank you. Somebody already did, you did you already move approval? Yes. And that motion passes. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioners, item 53 is to discuss and, to and determine whether to abolish the elected office of the constable of Mesquite Township or to appoint a suitable and qualified person to fill the vacancy in said office and direct staff accordingly. And with that, I'll turn it over to Deputy County Manager Bateman and for a brief overview. 
Good morning, commissioners. Um, this is really an item for you to direct staff as to next steps as a result of uh, the Office of Mesquite Constable becoming vacant on the 2nd of January as a result of the law that requires the Mesquite Constable to become post-certified within a year of their appointment or election. Um, in this particular case, it became vacant on January 2nd. However, I think Mr. Thurston's here. Uh, we did not become, or were not notified by post until February 14th officially. So um, two options that the statutes provide you is one, you can abolish the office. You've done that in the past with, I believe, Boulder City. Um, or uh, the, the statutes require you to appoint within 60 days of the February 14th date that we've determined was the date that we received notice. Uh, also, if you go that route, this office would be on the ballot for this year. So that will be um, for the first two weeks of March that people can run for the uh, position. So we just need some direction from the board officially as to whether uh, you would consider abolishing it or if we wanna move forward with filling the vacancy within the next 60 days. Um, based on the February uh, 14th date, I think the latest we would wanna put it on for an appointment would be uh, April 2nd. Um, and then you know we can discuss as staff with the, with the members of the board, how you want to go about the process for finding someone to be appointed. Sounds like there may have to be a little bit of recruiting to go, to go on, but uh, that's the kind of direction we would need for this particular item this morning. Mr. Kirkpatrick. Uh, well, um, so one, we're, I don't want to abolish it. Uh, so Mesquite, um, they're far enough out that, you know, we need to provide some Clark County services. Um, Currently, Bunkerville is helping uh, fill that void, and I'd like to keep it that way um, so that it stays in the area out there, in the northeast area. Um, I know that the constable is here. Um, Thurston is, uh, Mr. Thurston is here, um, but this really goes back to unintended consequences from the legislature. We tried to tell them that 15,000 was too low. Unfortunately, Mesquite now is at 21,000. Um, I do think that that needs to be revisited in the next legislative session, but you know, it fell on deaf ears when I said 15,000 was just too low because as a state we're growing. Um, but you know, I wanna, much like any of you would wanna protect your rural areas, I'm protecting my rural area and I'd like to keep it um, and then maybe um, see who files because anybody, everybody would have to file, even if we uh, put a vacancy in, they would have to file for office. So um, I'd like to keep it the way it is today. And we have uh, Bunkerville helping, um, which is what I want. And to, um, to see what happens after filing and then we can look for a vacancy until afterwards. But I, I don't know, maybe we wanna let the constable have a couple words, but that's the direction I'm headed. Uh, this is not a public hearing, but if you want to say a few words, Mr. Thurston. Yes, I'd like to let you know that um, with this, uh, I did go to the academy two different times. In April, I went and I didn't pass the physical. Right after that, I went to a trainer and a gym for six months, got ready for that. Went back in October with my learning disability. Uh, I was not able to pass the test. There was 10 tests the first week. I was only able to pass three of them. In the elementary school, I was one-on-one -on -one out of the classroom more than I was in the classroom. I was held back in second grade. And I was also um, summer school. 
so I asked after that second time, I asked for that I had a learning disability to the board. They uh, said they could not give me uh, any advance. It wouldn't be fair to the other candidates to have it, let me have the material to study ahead of time. Um, I also didn't know that, that the, uh, I reached out to Marilyn Kirkpatrick in October about how to extend my thing. She said it wasn't the commissioners. I did not know where to go until Jeff Rogan informed me in January 20th that it was through the- uh, Mr. Thurston, in all fairness, as what? I just said, and I, you know, it is a state law that was passed for one, and there's post requirements. I didn't put those in. I, I oppose I know you, I know those. You I was trying to find so, out how. But I, I'm saying I told you that you had to work with posts because the county commission has no say over what post does. So what I've done since I talked to Jeff Rogan, as soon as I found out there was post, I did put my request in. They do have me on the agenda for Thursday to see if they will extend that to me. So all I'm asking is if it's possible, if you let me have that extension. Well, that, that's not an issue right now. So, um, but as a private attorney, I would say you're, you do have a potential disability case against the state post, but, but that's a separate issue. Don't anyway. help me, Commissioner. So I'm just gonna point out one more time, and Mr. Bateman, if you wanna back me up, uh, our, what's before us today is we have been notified by post that there is a vacancy based on current situation. And so the current situation is that you did not pass and you had the right to appeal it, so you are appealing it. But for us, we have to take action because we cannot not have a service out there. We are required by law ourselves. Am I, and I'm not an attorney, but am I right? I would feel like I've done the constable thing for a long time. So I'm just saying, if post grants you a waiver, great. But we're saying today, I don't want to vacate the office. I don't want it to go away because that's right. the choice that's before me today. That's what we want. What to you work out with post is entirely up to post because they really don't care what I think. But I have a responsibility to the constituents, and I want to make sure that the service stays and. I want to be very clear um, that Bunkerville is filling in, and Bunkerville should be the only person filling in out there because it's a small community. So I, I agree. Thank you. Uh huh. So that is my motion is to, and I'm not an attorney, but you guys make me feel like I want to take the LSAT just to see if I could do it. Uh, Don't do it. <laughs> uh, so my motion is to not. Uh, abolish the constable's office in Mesquite for the record is to uh, wait to see who files which anybody can file and then they have a year to get post certified you hear what I'm saying mr. Thurston I understand uh, and um, in between Bunkerville will cover it so that's my motion all right there's a motion cast your vote oh not bad for a non-lawyer <laughs> She's a lawyer and a judge. <laughs> yeah, and the jury. Commissioner, that motion passes. Uh, commissioners, it's now 10 a.m., so we can move to the public hearing section of your agenda. Item 44 is to conduct a public hearing, approve, adopt, and authorize the chair to cite an ordinance to amend Clark County Air Quality Regulation Section 0 definitions to remove, revise, and add definitions, amend Section 12.0, applicability and general requirements for permitting stationary sources 
to add clarifying language and include new requirements for certain stationary sources in, in ozone non-attainment areas, areas subject to the state implementation plan and the director to compile and submit the approved ordinance and all related documentation. Uh, Division of Environmental Protection, U.S. Environmental Protection Agency, approval into the Nevada State Implementation Plan. Good morning. Good morning. This is a public hearing. Is anyone here wishing to speak on this item? Seeing no one, we'll close the public hearing. And um, I'm not sure if you're here to say anything or just here to answer questions. I'm just here to answer questions. Okay. Ms. Kirkpatrick, do you have any questions? No, sorry. <laughs> All right, anyone have any questions? Seeing none, is there a motion? Move for approval. <laughs> There's a motion for approval, cast your vote. And that motion passes. Commissioners, item 45 is to conduct a public hearing and approve, adopt, and authorize the chair to sign an ordinance to amend Clark County Air Quality Regulation Section 12.1 to update, clarify, add new requirements for certain sources and non-attainment areas, define clean air solvent, provide for cri criteria for insignificant units and activities, and delete discretionary language requiring regarding required permit conditions in portable source limits, amend section 12.11 to require minor sources to obtain an authority to operate under an applicable general permit, add a federal reference for applying screening models to source emissions, clarify and correct a regulatory cross-reference record for any relevant comments and responses made at the public hearing and authorize the director or designee to compile and submit the approved ordinance and all related documentation including the technical support documentation for sections 0, 12.0, 12.1, and 12.11 to the Nevada Division of Environmental Protection for U.S. Environmental Protection Agency and approval into the Nevada State Implementation Plan. This is a public hearing. Is anyone here wishing to speak on this item? Seeing no one, does anyone on the board have a comment, question? No comment. There's a motion for approval. Cast your vote. And that motion passes. Commissioners, we can now move back to the business section of your agenda. Item 4054 is to discuss UMC's governing board. Uh, we'll turn this over to Commissioner McCurdy as chair of the UMC board. And by way of introduction, um, just related to this item and the request of Commissioner Sagerbloom, um, Lisa Loxon will give us a brief overview of the current structure and format. Good morning, commissioners. So in November of 2013, this board adopted an ordinance creating um, the UMC Governing Board. The Governing Board, by ordinance, is slated to have um, no less than five and no more than nine members. Those members are, um, by ordinance, to have um, backgrounds of different varieties um, and also um, to have no conflicts with the, um, with the governance of the hospital. And those, um, there's currently nine members that you have appointed to the governing board. They sit on five separate subcommittee meetings as well too. They have an audit and finance. They have a strategic, strategic planning. They have a human resource committee. And they also have a clinical quality and professional affairs board that they also sit. And those are all public meetings. 
And then they also have their um, governing board meetings that they have once a month as well too. And so your ordinance outlays, um, lays out what has been delegated to the governing board and what has been retained by the Board of County Commissioners. Um, if you have any questions about that structure, please let me know. Thank you, Lisa. I know Commissioner Sagerbloom has some questions. Yes, I had this item put on the agenda because to me, um, the county, since our new county manager has become much more involved in healthcare and different uh, facets around the county. And I would like to see if there's a way that the, we could have a more direct involvement in the management of the hospital. So my request would be to ask the county manager to, and uh, our county attorney to look into the, to, if there's a way to restructure this process so that the county manager would have more direct relationship to the hospital director. Um, and if not, that's fine. But I'd just like to, to have you look at that structure to see if, if we could have more involvement. Is there anyone else who would like to provide comment? All right. Thank you. Commissioners, that concludes your agenda. We can now move to the section, second section for public comment. All right, this is the second section of public comment. Anyone here wishing to speak? Oh, oh. yeah. Can we get a microphone to the? My name is Margaret Ann Coleman. I would like to give you my card, but I have to read the information off of it. I would like to today uh, give representation to black history. First of all, parents, my mother and my father. Elijah Muhammad, he is entitled to his day that died September, uh, February 26, whereas he was the messenger to all of us, and that is Allah. I also like to give Dr. Lee Hermit his appreciation for discovering a cure for arsenic lead poison or lead poison in the state of Nevada, whereas he gave representation for us to receive prednisone that is a cure for this arsenic lead poison that entitles me to work compensation that you have used. Today is a day I rise. A day you rise. The study I done up on Pegas, that was a letter, uh, a bunch of letters by children. They have overthrown my taxes, whereas I cannot pay, whereas they're taking over my home living arrangements. That is conducted overseer by attorney Tom Harper, that is the district court of attorney that is now calling himself a Darren Holmes, that is overthrowing my neighborhood and taking and buying property and putting us through emotional stress. The water has alkaline in it and makes us skinny. I wish you correct that problem. At the time I was here, you gave it to the fire department or whoever. I am not LLC. 1316 Wizard is my home. I bought it as a closing and foreclosing property. Please take off, please take me off the pole of electricity overload it, uh, <clears throat> in my neighborhood. As I stated, Dr. L. Herman, uh, he 
uh, presented a prednisone that is uh, also for electric shock, whereas I know I have been electrified in my children. My grandson, I have not seen him, and I wish you all get it, whereas I can see him again. I have not seen him since 14, and he is entitled to see me. I'm 72. My birthday's coming up March 29th, and I was born 1952. I have not been recognized to <clears throat> even rise with my money, so I wish you take the time out and understand and speak to Mr. Tom Hopper, that is the district attorney that you are in partnership with to overthrow me. And thank you very much. My name is Margaret Coleman. And I live at 1360 Wizard. Please take me off the pole. Thank you, Ms. Coleman. Uh, Lawrence Rupp, RUPP. I'm a little late today. Apologize. I have um, today. Today's agenda had an item 39 approve uh, settlement uh, case Susan Hoy, and uh, it caught my attention. I read the case. Those two kids were brutalized. They were brutalized until the teachers and everybody else that saw them out in public took care of it. It went on and on with the same uh, not reputable foster people. So it came to court, blah, blah, blah. It says here 200,000. I don't know if you guys voted on 39 today. But it was also listed uh, in the agenda on 11-7-23 under item 52. And it was moved by Commissioner Tick Sergenblom and carried by unanimous vote that the recommendation is approved. I see it again today, and I would imagine it was ignored again. The big problem I have with it, of course, the kids were brutalized. You guys didn't do it, but the supervisor connection is there. You know, this happened 12 years ago. 12 years ago, and we're still deciding if we can approve for their money. These kids were brutalized. What about their rights? I was uh, malpractice, doctors, everything, all kinds of stuff. These are my private records that I'm leaving for you guys if you want them. And um, right here. And if that's garbage and I left it there, sorry about that. Uh, 124 left. Uh, identify emerging issues to be addressed, 48. That needs to be addressed. I was here two weeks ago. I spoke about it. No comments. I sent you guys all a group email. A through A through G. I got one response from uh, uh, William McCurdy's office, auto response stating he would get back to me within 24 hours. Nothing yet. Governing board, there's your malpractice. By the way, I was in the ICU three times. Exceptional care, unbelievable professionalism. The ED is a shithole. You know, that's just the way it is. Okay, these kids are done. Give them their money. Oh, here's my demonstration. I got a quarter. Everybody get yourself a quarter. That's $500,000 from the county. Pay these people and get it over with. These kids were tortured under Clark County care. I'm gonna give my 19 seconds back. Thank you. You're welcome. 
I see a lot of purple here. I'm hoping you all want to speak, but I remind you that even though you each have three minutes, if you want to speak shorter than three minutes, that would be great too. Thank you. Good morning. Um, my name is Mikkel Sieri, and I am the SEIU 1107 Supervisory Chief Steward for Clark County. In two, 2023, SEIU 1107 stood with our Juvenile Justice Union brothers and sisters as they came before the commission with a vote of no confidence for then the director, Jack Martin. Myself and Vice President um, Debbie Springer stood at this very mo microphone and stated our support for all workers to be treated with dignity and respect. As this commission is aware, the Juvenile Justice Supervisory Unit represents 28 wor workers. SEIU 1107 represents 87 juvenile justice workers and the non-supervisory unit and the juvenile justice represents 198 workers. In late 2023, juvenile justice presidents and SEIU president Michelle Mayassi met, met with the, um, met with the, met with the juvenile justice um, applicants who are interested in the, uh, interested in the director position um, at the SEIU Hall and, uh, and, and continued working with as we represent the union members and workers. Two weeks ago, juvenile justice presidents reached out to inform SEIU 1107 that there's an upcoming virtual town hall um, on 222 with three final director candidates. Email correspondences were sent to Deputy, Deputy County Manager Frierson with an initial request for the county to include SEIU in the virtual town hall. As of today, the virtual town hall is scheduled for Thursday, February 22nd, and in response, and no response to the email link for our participation was given. Now, we can get the link from Juvenile Justice as they offered to forward it to us. However, we felt the right thing to do was to request the link from county management and to let them know that we'll be attending. We, will, we look forward to participating in the town hall, and we, look, and we look forward to the team's link being sent before Thursday. Thank you again. Thank you. Good morning, Mr. Chair, Vice President, Commissioners. My name is Asaki Hardy, and I'm the SEIU 1107 Chief Steward for DOA, Department of Aviation. Over the past year, I've witnessed the Office of Diversity in DOA, HR, in multiple cases issue excessive discipline to our members of color and less protection from management for our women members. This disparate treatment is so blatant and unacceptable, our SEIU president reached out to our community partner, ACLU, to take seven of our members' cases. All seven members share the same gender, religion, race, ethnicity, and ethnicity. Were terminated and we were able to get their jobs back. We have also seen the issuance of two-week paid, two paid suspension issues for a non-member in termination for members of color for lesser infractions who were able to get, that mem get the members' jobs back and moved to a different department. In conclusion, SEIU remains concerned about the overuse of excessive discipline with our members and the disparate treatment with members of color and women. We requested information surrounding these concerns and have yet received them. Thank you for your time again. Asaki Hadi, Chief Steward of DOA. Thank you. 
Good morning, Mr. Chair, Vice Chair, and Commissioners. My name is Sarah Evans, and I am the SEIU Local 1107 Vice President of the Supervisory Unit, and I've been a 15-year Clark County employee. Over the past year, when our SEIU representatives are representing SEIU members, they have requested discovery from the Office of Diversity and County HR in too many cases, and my union representatives have had to fight and explain why we needed it in order to represent our members. Uh, the county continues to determine if they feel it is necessary when they have already used this information to discipline our members. As this commission is aware, per the July 1st, 2021 to June 30th, 2024, CBA Article 11 Dispute Resolution Procedures, Subsection 4, for the purpose of resolving grievances at the earliest possible point in time, both parties will make full disclosures of any and all facts and evidence which bear on the grievance, including but not limited to furnished copies of evidence documents, reports, written statements, and witnesses relied upon to support the basis of the action. Both parties agreed to share the facts and evidence at least three working days prior to the step one or step two at least five working days prior to the step three hearing. The county is not providing this information according to the CBA. Again, thank you for, my, for the time. My name is Sarah Evans. Thank you. Hello, good morning, Mr. Chair, Vice Chair and Commissioners. My name is Alexis Esparza, and I'm one of the SCIU 1107 Chief Stewards for Clark County's General Unit, member of the bargaining team, and a six-year employee of Clark County. Over the past year, we have seen Clark County contracting out good union jobs to non-union companies for less pay for the non-union workers, but more pay for the companies. For example, one non-union contractor makes $400,000 per month. Per month! while their employees make less than our Clark County workers. We also know Clark County is contracting out good union jobs in nearly all of the county departments, some more than others. Let's take, for example, uh, Department of Aviation. Shuttle drivers, parking attendants, baggage, janitorial, custodians, all good union jobs are being contracted out. Most of these contracts are approved under the consent agenda, and we are asking all department contracts be reviewed by the commission separately. In the July 1st, 2021 through June 30th, 2024, Clark County SEIU CBA on page 94 of the non-supervisory and 95 of the supervisory CBA, the MOU states, the parties hereby agree to the establishment of an equally seated 12 member committee to discuss the process and the reasons why the Clark County contracts out certain services. Further down, it states, the county will provide information regarding requests for proposals, bids, on a monthly basis and provide specific contracts upon request from the union. To date, Clark County has not provided this information, despite it being requested by SCIU on October 3rd of 2023. Thank you for your time. And again, my name is Alexis Esparza, Chief Steward for the Non-Supervisory General Unit of Clark County. Thank you. Thank you so much and good morning, uh, Mr. Chair and Vice Chair. I am the last speaker, Mr. Chair, just to let you know, okay? Um, <laughs> Thank you um, to our member leaders from SEIU and to our members for showing up today. My name is Michelle Mayase and I am the president of SEIU Local 1107. Thank you for your time today. I just wanted to make a couple statements on the record. We represent 20,000 healthcare and public sector workers and we're organizing 13,000 home care workers. Today, 
at 2 p.m. we will go into negotiations with Clark County. This will be our first bargaining session, representing over 7,000 workers at Clark County. Um, as my um, colleagues and members stated before, on October 3rd of 2023, five months before negotiations, this um, SEIU sent a request for information to Mr. Curtis Germany and Ms. Christina Ramos. As of today, we have not received any of that information. I'm just gonna read you a couple things that we requested. There was a 25 line item um, statement, what we needed for the last three years would include fiscal information, CPI, inflation, cost of living, housing prices, total of FTEs per department, vacancies and classification, reasonable drug testing um, proposed and executed contracts, bargaining unit members receiving acting pay, workman's comp, all the bargaining unit members that received discipline by race, race and ethnicity, and if it was a recommendation of the Office of Diversity to terminate those members. Since October, there have been multiple calls, follow-ups, emails, including a meeting with the county commission, and I'm sorry, with the county manager, and as of today, again, at 2 p.m., we have not received any of this information. The RFI is vital. This is so vital to our members, as it will increase benefits, improve working conditions, and it will help us adequately advocate for what our members need at that bargaining table. We do not have it. Again, we don't have any of that information. Over the past five months, and Commissioner Gibson, thank you so much for thanking our members and Commissioner Kirkpatrick as well and the commission because over the last five months what we've heard is we'll get it, we'll get it to you. The Super Bowl, F1. Let me be very clear with you. These are the people that made those events possible. They made these events. They worked some, sometimes seven hours a day, 15 to 16 hours a day. They made this happen. And what that shows to them is that we are more concerned about the care that they give our visitors as opposed to the care that we give our members and our employees at Clark County. We don't, again, we don't have that information that we need that's vital today for our, our membership to adequately effectuate bargaining across that table. So, because of that, I'm just letting you know that as of today, we'll be filing charges against Clark County with the Equal, Relation, Equal Management Relations Board. Thank you for your time. Thank you. And thank you all for coming out. Yes, my name is uh, Julian, and uh, we heard a report on the uh, Super Bowl, and uh, th there's no question the event was fabulous and uh, in incredible, that, uh, that uh, the job that the, uh, uh, the convention authority has done to bring, uh, to bring those events here to Las Vegas. But uh, uh, at the same time, it, it, it demonstrates the need for having additional, uh, additional um, facilities for people to stay at, not just the hotels. Uh, the, uh, because, uh, because the hotels are, are controlling, really, the, the county, they are limiting the number of people coming to uh, Las Vegas. Uh, and uh, in that way, the Convention Authority is doing a very bad job because uh, they're more concerned about impressions, the 58 billion impressions. The, 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 the purpose of the, of the uh, Convention Authority is not to create impressions on the media. It's to have people come here. And uh, regardless of, of uh, all the statistics that are given, 
fewer people came to Las Vegas uh, in 2023 than came in 2022 or 2019. Um, the, uh, the, uh, the number of tourists come, that's the main thing that uh, should be happening here in Las Vegas. And the convention authority is working against that with uh, their policies. And it was well demonstrated by, by what was said, uh, taking a, a fantastic uh, event and making it benefit only the corporations, not the people of Las Vegas. Uh, please, uh, <laughs> please do something about this. Uh, have the, tell the convention authority they should be bringing people to Las Vegas. In 2007, we had 39 million tourists. In the, in the 17 years since then, we only have uh, four, uh, 4 million more, 10% increase in 17 years. And uh, we, we should be having 60, 70, 80 million tourists a year. And if we did, that would be going more to the community uh, and also more to the hotels. Uh, it's, it's just absurd that, um, that we're discouraging more people coming here. And regarding flights, uh, there are no flights from Asia. When I flew yesterday from Manila. Thank you, Mr. Yulin. We only heard it from you three times this time, so you, really have to, you haven't broken your record yet. All right, see no one else here. Um, this meeting is recessed till tomorrow morning at 9 a.m.